Hey, what's up, homies? Welcome to our very first season of the Home Podcast series titled Hello My Twenties. On this series, we have guests who are in their 30s reflecting back on their 20s and really unpacking their life decisions and how God played a role in it. So, if you're in your teens and early 20s, or even in the same life stages as these guys, sit back and relax because there's always things to learn. And yes, I know that Hello My Twenties is a K drama, but trust me, this is much better. Enjoy, guys. Welcome everyone, my name is James. I'm here with Nathan and and look this is the first of hopefully many conversations that we're going to have that we're really hoping um, as a church that would benefit you, particularly um, if you're in your teens or early 20s. We're really hoping that some of the stories that come out of um, the lives of of the people that um, I talk to um, and, and Nathan here right now would would really accelerate you, uh, maybe help you make some not make some mistakes, maybe really help you get to that place that you want to go, and that the, where the Lord is really leading. And so, um, welcome again. So Nathan Park, um, Nathan, I've known for ten over ten years now, and yeah, here we are having a chat. Um, Nathan, maybe um, a little bit about um, just yeah the stuff that people will not know like age and and just a little bit about your background ethnicity um give me a little bit about yourself sure um my name's nathan as james said um i'm 32 years old turning 33 i think um i've been a chef for the last 16 odd years and recently decided to change careers um and go into butchery uh with coronavirus and everything that's happened last year um and born and raised in australia even though i was born in uh, no raised in korea for the first five six years of my life mm. yeah 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 I'm, I'm grateful for your korean heritage because very recently you made me kimchi for the yes. first time and <laughs> it was really good mm. it was really good whole family smashed it even nice. my daughter smashed it yeah it was really really tasty and um yeah, you've got some some chef <laughs> skills there Hopefully, yeah. um, have you thought about a brand name for your kimchi line that's going to come out? Not yet. No? Not yet. <laughs> I'm open to suggestions. Guys, um, yeah, this is a plug before a plug is even required. <laughs> yeah. but, um, it's not sponsored, by it, the way. It's, it's going to be, it's gonna be well, well worth it. Um, mm. If you start a channel, I'm sure it's going to be much more popular <laughs> than probably this one. Uh, particularly if it's about your, your line of kimchi. Mm. Um, awesome. Hey, look... Um, I want to I want to start talking about your crazy past. Yeah. Because man, crazy past. <clears throat> I mean, one thing that people won't know mm. is you left high school a little bit earlier than most people. Yeah, a lot earlier. Probably two years earlier than what I was supposed to. Um, I was fifteen when I left high school, and I was pretty much at the end of E ten and the beginning of E eleven. I left. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you left, and tell us what you decided. And tell us how you broke the news to your parents. <laughs> so what happened was, I got asked to leave, and that's just putting it in a very nice way. Mm. Um, but the deputy principal, because back then I used to play rugby for the school, and he really liked me, thankfully. 
um, and it gave me two choices. It was either stick around and get the last chance um, to pretty much get my act cleaned up and study, or he gave me the suggestion to leave high school early in the condition of studying an apprenticeship. So he's the one that actually gave me the idea. Um, but when I told my parents in the beginning, they thought I was joking. And then when I actually showed them the papers of signing out and actually leaving high school, um, they took it like Korean parents, mm. like Korean drama, Korean parents. Yeah, well, yeah. not pretty, huh? Yeah, it wasn't pretty <laughs> yeah, at all. You can laugh about it now. <laughs> yeah, not back then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so tell us about the first gig you got because you would have started as an apprentice in a kitchen yep tell us tell us what tell us about that that <sighs> those early early days maybe even the early year yeah so the first gig I, I found a restaurant in Darling Harbour Kingsley Wharf back then that was a hot place um, all the restaurants were lined up and it was an Italian place um, three connections that I found um, and the first impression was quite intimidating. Being a 16-year-old, having no idea what life is and the outside world apart from high school, um, you know, you get exposed to things really quickly and you can't hide from it. Whether it will be swearing, every second word is a swear word and mm. it's okay to swear in the kitchen. Yeah, right. Um, it, you know, the stories about chefs being angry is true. Yeah. Uh, my first head chef was an English bloke, straight from England. He got sponsored in Australia to work for the company. So he comes from, he came from a fine dining background and he, if Gordon Ramsay looks bad, he was probably either the same or worse. Wow. Yeah. Because, I mean, because of media and this whole popularity on food, we know a little bit about that side. Yeah. You know, Hell's Kitchen. And, and the movie Burnt comes to mind. Yeah, which by the way is probably one of the worst movies, but that's for another time. But is that what happens? Um, it's very dramatised, but it's kind of similar in a way, I guess, um, being in the actual kitchen when mm. it comes to the pressure. I think in the movie, Bradley Cooper, what's his name? Bradley, Bradley Cooper, Cooper, yeah. Um, yeah, his intensity within the kitchen during service and when someone makes the mistake, um, him chucking that um, temper tra tantrum is it happens yeah wow happened quite a lot to me actually when I first started <laughs> so I mean okay so if you hear it again I mean it's, you're 16 right yeah 16, 17 you know whatever yeah. it's still pretty young mm. a lot of swearing going on it's high intensity high pressure yeah classically clean chef mm. typical of perfectionism and everything else that comes along with it ha how did that shape you? In a weird way, it, I think it was the first time in a long time where I actually felt like I, f I fitted in in, in, that, in that brigade because it felt like, a lot of chefs will say this if they've been in the industry long enough, it felt, it felt like the special forces because every single one of us were messed up in some ways. Mm. Had guys where, you know, most of them were divorced because of the hours that they work in. Um, some of the guys are gay so in a way society wise we all didn't fit in and i think there was some kind of camaraderie that was present which i was 
yeah, it, for some reason, I feel like I fit it in. Mm. So as messed up as it was and as emotionally um, crazy it was, um, it felt like I, I felt like I belonged there. Mm. And there's the, the good bit around fitting in. Yeah. Because that's, that's something that a 17-year-old needs. You yeah. Know? Especially if you've left school. That's left your mates. Yeah. Left a lot. Mm. You, you are very alone in that sense. Sure. But if you're able to feel like you belong somewhere. Yeah. Because you're spending a lot of time, right? Yeah. How many hours are you doing that? This kid? Man, first year apprentice these days, if you pass 38 hours, government goes crazy. I was thinking, I think the first week that I started, I did 55. First week. First week. And they were like, yeah, hey, right. mate, you got it easy. You got it easy. Wait till next week. Yeah, right. And then I think the average was at least 60 to 65. A week, wow. five days, and mind you, I just I had to go to TAFE once a week, and then I'll be at TAFE from eight AM, finish at four PM, go back to work, and then I'll finish at eleven PM midnight, depending on what the day was. Wow! So I mean, it's a lot of time, but it does bring you together, doesn't it? It's yeah, like it or not. Suffering. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But all that intensity to a young person, and mm. maybe hindsight helps here. Mm. How did it shape you in a bad way? It shakes you in a bad way because it's the kitchen is run by insecurity. I don't. It, it might be different now, but back then you had to be competitive. You had to be the better. You had to be better than the person next to you. And then I wasn't doing any apprentice in there, so it shakes you in a bad way. Where instead of taking care of the person next to you, the first thing that you're thinking is how to sabotage the person next to you so that you look better than the other person. Yeah. yeah. And. In hindsight, if I, if I look back now, I think most of the guys that I've worked with in the kitchen, it was all, they were, we were all insecure in our mm -hmm. own way. Um, but we covered that up by trying to perform better or be the better person compared to the next person. Mm. Um, which you lose your identity completely. Mm. Um, hence the reason why outside of the kitchen, my socializing skills were pretty non-existent. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Intense. Mm. The, that's the start of the journey. <laughs> yeah. The, one of the highlights for me in, in, in the last 10 years, knowing you was, um, my, Sumi and I, we got this rare chance to eat at your restaurant. Yeah. And you were the head chef of that restaurant. Yeah. Um, even better was we found out at the end of the meal, I swear we found out at the end of the meal <laughs> that it was a free meal. I was like, oh, it tastes even better now, even though yeah. we ate it. Um, and, and, and so um, we, we, we met you, you know, when you were running the kitchen. That, but that was a long journey, right? I sure. Mean, you were 16 then. I'm pretty sure you were well into your late 20s by then. Mm. That journey in towards Head Chef, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Um, I, if you see my resume, it's not your typical chef resume. I haven't worked in the, because a lot of the guys that started together with me, um, probably are working in fine dining restaurants, but they pretty much concentrated solely or solely working as a chef. Whereas for me, that journey to the head chef position, I took a lot of detours that was not chef related. But for some reason, even if I was out of it, um, I would be still in the kitchen working part-time. So it took me at least probably 12 to 13 years when it should have taken me six to seven years. Mm. Um, 
So my journey to becoming a head chef took a long detour. Mm. Yeah. Did you have head chef? You know, I mean, most people. I would only assume. Mm. So I should probably ask the question. When you started off, was it always an aspiration to be a head chef? In the beginning, no. In the beginning, was oh, it, it was survival. Oh, <laughs> I think as an apprentice, right, I was right. just like, as long as I can graduate and actually become a qualified person, mm. I'll be happy enough. And as soon as I got qualified, because I left the industry kind of as soon as I got qualified and did other things, it wasn't really my aspiration. Mm. But it was when I got, came back to it properly and worked for a company that actually invested in, I guess, invested in me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see it. I could actually grasp it in my hand that I could become a head chef. Yeah, right. And that was only the time when I actually probably thought to myself, mm. it's actually possible to be a head chef. Yeah, wow. Mm. And then becoming one. Yeah. So journey is that becoming one. Yeah. How was it? Best of two worlds. It was the best feeling, but it was the biggest disappointment. Oh, okay. Um, that was cool. Okay, well, I, yeah. Yeah, I think... I think a lot of managers and a lot of people around my age or someone who's older who's, who's in the position of some kind of management will probably understand this. Once you become head chef, it's the most loneliest feeling that you ever feel. Because a lot of people mm. used to tell me um, being a manager is probably the loneliest place you can be mm. um, sometimes at work. I didn't quite understand that. Um, so in the beginning, yeah, it was great. You know, I finally made it. Um, Working as a head chef for the first three months and actually realizing that I was responsible of managing people, mm. that's, a, that's a different story. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So that loneliness as the top mm. is real, huh? Yeah. Yeah, wow. It's real. It's very real. So it was a bit of a rude shock. It was. It wasn't as glamorous as I thought it was going to mm. be. Yeah. Yeah, gosh. I mean, in some sense, you, you weren't ever like really, really, really desperate for it. So it wasn't too big mm. of a des like a disappointment yeah. in some sense, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's a crazy journey. And, and I think, you know, it, it's crazy that you survived it. Mm. It's crazy that you, you, you went through all of that. Um, that's, that's crazy. In this picture, um, where was God? God was in and out of my life during that period, I think. Um, in the earlier stages, I was involved in church. Um, but it, church aside, spiritual life, I've always believed in God. But there were, I think back then there were moments where I felt like I was either getting punished for, I guess, for some reason, disobeying my parents. I felt like, not many people know this I feel like leaving high school early and studying my apprenticeship and not listening to my parents um, that's probably the biggest rebellious thing that I did hmm. um, I felt like I was getting kind of punished by God and I felt like I deserved all the intensity that I went through in the kitchen which is messed up thinking back now looking back hmm. now um, so I didn't I never complained to God how hard it was but there were moments, I guess, where I felt like, do I really deserve this? Is, is God really good? Because I see my friends graduating high school, having, you know, going to uni, socializing, 
Um, by that stage, I left church just because I couldn't go to church. Because yeah. um, I had to work on Sundays, the hours that I was pulling. Every time I want to meet my friends, well, it's 1am, so no one's going to meet mm, me, right? Yeah, right. Um, wow. So God was in and out, but I had a messed up image of God back then. It mm. wasn't good. It wasn't a good image. Yeah. Yeah, yeah wow. Mm. It's tough. Yeah, I, I wonder if um, some of those that are listening can relate to that. That's because it's a reality, particularly if you work hospitality. Yeah. Because it's not just, you know, those in the kitchen, you mean hotel, mm. um, just hospitality in general. Sure. It's just so brutal. And, and then, yeah, not being able to be part of church community, that's yeah. real. Um, not being able to be plugged alongside other Christian people mm. and then predominantly being surrounded by um, non-Christians. Yeah. That has an impact. Yeah. And then that skews view about God as well, doesn't it? Mm. And that's really, really challenging. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, I, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Mm. Yeah, wow. Super hard. Um, I, I'm, we're going to talk about um, part of that journey because you've you touched on it. Yeah. Um, because you've touched on why it took you so long to become a head chef. Yeah. Because you took a detour. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the wilderness. Sure. But not right now. <laughs> We're gonna cut. Went to a third world country, went to Cambodia, thinking I was going to be a missionary. Did that for five months, six months, I think. Um, went to Bible college, did that for a year. Yeah, one year, a bit more, about one year. Um, went to AIM, Australian Institute of Music. Thought I was going to be the next... Um, yeah, went, I went to music college. I don't know why I did that. Anyways, I did that. Um, I think that's about it on top of my head. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And and, and the the other crazy thing is, um, Cambodia. I, I I didn't know you as well during that period, um, but I did see you, um, Bible college days. I yes, think, I think I actually think I started about the same time. As no, you. we started at the same times because we went to the <laughs> orientation together. We went to Colorado. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, right. I, Wow, did we? Wow. Yeah, we did. Wow. And so yeah, we, we started together. <laughs> yep. I think I think we probably made a pact that let's let's finish well. Yeah, it was at the orientation <laughs> at, at Colorroy. I remember sitting down and then you looked at me and said, Hey, let's not fail anything and pass in one go. I was like, Yeah, cool story. <laughs> See if that happens, but it didn't quite happen, did it? Oh not for me. That's, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um and so there's Cambodia, Bible College. I mean you were you, you you are a good musician and so I mean that's why you went to AIM. Yeah. But I think I 
for me, school does not fit. I it, I want to I want to word this correctly because I don't want people to have the false idea that education is bad because I think education is very important, especially with the apprenticeships that I've done. Um, but for some reason, the styling of education with Bible college and music college, I just couldn't keep up. Um, yeah, I just couldn't keep up. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't for me. Yeah, yeah. And there's going to be people that are listening um, who I know either have heaps of things they want to do, mm. like I, I wouldn't mind doing this, I wouldn't sure. mind doing this. I don't know. Or there's those that have done actually what you have done, started some stuff. Yep. Going, oh, this ain't it. <laughs> but they're actually scared to start another stuff. Sure. Because them, you know, um, or you know, of course, parents come into this as well. Mm. You know. Why just finish something? Yeah. Um, jumping around. So I think a lot of people are going to relate to this. Yeah. But jumping around, um, starting but not finishing, and just you know, yeah. Starting a new. Well, what was going on? What was going on for you? For me, it was an identity crisis. Mm. For me, the reason why I did all of these things it was for me to 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 feel recognized for the things that I was trying to do. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird in a way, but I wanted to be the best drummer or the best missionary, um, be the missionary in Cambodia, be the person that's doing something crazy that not many people do, mm. to get that recognition as Nathan, the cool guy, or Nathan, the one who who's living a different life but is doing well mm. yeah and I think that's what was that's what I was struggling with when I was studying all of those things um, and not completing it and studying another thing is probably one of the most difficult things that I had to go through but then doing it four times probably just ruined me mm. by the end of it mm. yeah yeah I mean especially if yeah you, you go with a goal yeah and and yeah this for the lack of a better expression you've hmm. you failed yeah you've, yeah pretty you've, much you've, you've you've stopped yeah um yeah i mean it's, it's a bit blunt mm. thankfully it's hindsight yeah you know you're not exactly. now but yeah you, you pulled out so, yeah um doing doing that but i mean i think i think even i can relate to i think everyone can relate to the idea of you know wanting to stand out Sure. Or, or just hold your own. Yeah. Be recognized. Yeah. I think everyone can recognize. What was the, if we dig a little bit deeper, what was the root for you? Where did that, where did that need to, mm. you know, stand out as opposed to just blend in or just survive? Yeah. Where, 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 where did that come from? I came from two places. So one of the reasons that's probably easy to hear is, um, yeah, uh, when I first started as a chef, as I said, um, we're all insecure. Um, and by the time you finish, you're still insecure because people don't recognize you. And I think as a chef, um, the biggest thing that you, you want to achieve is recognition from the people that you respect, which is pretty much a head chef. Um, or the peers around you, the guys that you started together, um, as you walk through the journey of finishing apprenticeship or whatever, um, we're all insecure and we're secretly wanting to be the better person mm. um, with the person next to us. Um, but by the time I left, a lot of the guys were 
they got qualified and they were all going to key um bridge room which doesn't exist now but these are like all the classical australian mm. 300 places that everyone was aspiring to wow. um but i came from a place where i was insecure outside of work um mm. and i just felt like i wasn't good enough to go there which leads on to the second point um which is probably the biggest and the deepest reason why i was insecure um it came from home um, it came from the place of being in an Asian family and wanting to prove or wanting to get recognition from your parents, uh, especially my dad. Um, but having that feeling of always being the disappointment and not making him happy pretty much. Mm. Um, and that's the reason why I just, I was always constantly searching stuff to get that quick recognition but never really was mature enough to understand that, yeah, it takes the long yards to go through all that and actually finish and be respected. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's deep. Mm. I, I really appreciate you, you going that, um, <clears throat> pulling that out. Um, that's, it's, it's really hard when, yeah, especially when the root's at home. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then to, to then start things yeah. and then not finish. Yeah. I mean, that you just like literally digging your grave. Yeah. And mind you, I didn't even finish high school, so you started really early. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, even when I got qualified as a chef, they weren't proud of me. Mm. I mean, they were happy that I graduated, I mean, finished and got qualified and they were happy about it. But you've got to understand in a Korean context, being a chef, you're like, for Koreans being a chef back then, it was like you working in a local takeaway Chinese shop. Mm. Like they didn't that's understand. How they you. That's, that's how they viewed me. And luckily for me, it slowly started changing when they actually came to visit my restaurant and I cooked for them for the first mm. time. Mm. And this was pretty much at the end of my apprenticeship. So they could, they could finally see that there was a bit more to what they actually believed that I was doing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't that. I mean, it was wasn't Asian cuisine either. Yeah, so it's not like you there with the wok. Yeah, <laughs> you're just <laughs> you're, yeah. you're not doing that. You're not yeah. deep frying stuff. Yeah. So I guess yeah, that's yeah, hopefully a, a little bit of mm. a change, but still, it's part of your system. It's in your sure. system, right? You want to prove yourself. You want yeah. to show yourself. Um, how did you? Because because you're not that person now. Yep. Yeah. How did you? Even, you know, with these other failings and, you know, you've you been really, you know, going through even more difficult situation mm. as you search and search, you're not yep. making a name for yourself, you're not staying, you know, how did you survive? How did you maintain your desire to keep, like, how mm. did you keep going? Um, I guess the typical answer is God, in a weird way. Um... If I dig a little bit deeper, I think, so when I was a bit, when I was young, my, I saw my parents go through hardship. I, you know, typical immigrants. Um, they came when they were, they came to Australia when they were young. Um, so I saw we were really poor. Like that's the only reason why I moved to Korea when I was pretty much born. Um, and soon as I could, soon as I could, soon as I could hop on the plane, I got sent to Korea because they couldn't look after me, um, not financially, but 
physically they were working so much that they couldn't be at their own house uh, to look after their baby. I think from earlier on, survival mentality was already on. Like for me, the survival instinct of that I was alone and in this world kind of thing and that I had to kind of fend for myself. Um, that was pretty strong since I was young. Mm. And seeing my parents actually start, start a lot of things without any education um, and changing jobs pretty much constantly. When I saw that, I didn't, it didn't really occur to me that finish, starting something and finishing something and not completing completely was that much wrong or that it was, it was that negative towards my life compared to what other people thought. Mm-hmm. Seeing that way, yeah, it, I think that kept me through. Like mm-hmm. I've always had the survival mental, mentality of there, there's a high percentage of me not completing something but I just got to keep on going. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In terms of um, identity and, 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 you know, we're, you know, this, when we, we particularly got extra issues. Yeah. Because we're, we're, we're Asian in heritage, mm. but we're Australian in, in very much our cultural upbringing. Yeah. Um, but then we were very, very Asian parents. Yeah. But we have, you know, lots of non-Asian friends. Sure. Um, then you mix it all with the root of, you know, survival, trying to make it, you're a chef, yeah. not a chef. Yeah. Who are you? So, so who are you? How do you, mm. how did you get to that place of identity for yourself now? How do you even, even describe yourself now? Yeah. That's a good question. Honestly, if someone wants to ask me, who are you? I'll probably still can't answer it, mm. but not because I don't, I don't know who I am. But there are too many words to describe who I am. Mm. Um, but the first step in in being who I am right now probably was when I had this crazy revelation with my dad because that was the, probably the deepest root of my insecurity and my identity. Um, so one day we had a massive fight. Like it was the biggest fight I probably can ever think of that I had with my dad. Um, and after that whole debacle and whatnot, I remember sleeping at night and having this crazy, crazy revelation of I'm never going to please my dad. But not in a bad way, but in a peaceful way where it was, I felt like, look, I felt like God was saying to me, you can try your hardest to please people, but you're never going to please them. Mm. You, you're just not. So just stop. Um, and after that night, that was probably my journey towards where I'm right now where I think every single action that I was taking and everything that I was doing I finally understood that I had to do it for myself and you know for God yeah but yeah I had to please myself first and be confident of who I am first before I could do anything or else I'm just pretty much wasting time Mm. Um, and I think that just the first step is always the hardest, but once you start walking, um, next thing you know, you're running, and then you just you, you just keep the momentum going, and before mm. you know it, you become pretty confident of knowing who you are. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and then I guess um, you know, not being necessarily defining yourself by what you do. Yeah. 
because there's lots of things you do really well. Mm. I mean, you, you cook really well. Um, we'll talk about what you're doing at the moment. Yep. Um, there's lots of skills you have. Yeah. But um, yeah, is there is there that bit around? Okay, it's not a, just simply about what I do because you're not a chef anymore. Yeah. Um, and so you can't call you know Nathan mm. Park the chef. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about how? You've learned to just like kind of stop defining yourself by what you do. Sure. Um, yeah. So that probably, as <laughs> funny as it sounds, um, so there's two people that are celebrities that I really look up to, mm. um, and unfortunately both of them passed away. One of them is Kobe Bryant, and one of them is Anthony Bourdain. Um, and those two people always said it's not about your skills, it's not about your talent. Hard work trumps. All of that. I've always heard it, but it's only recently we've actually started to understand it. Um, and there was a period, I think in my 20s, talent was more important for me than, that, than actual hard, you know, hard work, being consistent, um, being that character of... It, consistency is a big thing, I think. Um, and it's only recently where I've realized that. And I think that's why now I would rather be defined of my character than my talents. Mm. I've only um, realized that, that, yeah, talent is any, you can only get you so far. Wow. Which clearly in my 20s, yeah, I was very cocky in a way where I knew I was talented in certain aspects. Mm. But when it came to the hard yards of actually practicing, for music, for instance, um, I was studying drumming and all the drummers will know this. The moment you take out your practice pad and your sticks and you start doing double strokes and paradiddles, mm. I was like, stop mm. this. Mm. I want to play some music, yeah. you know. I sound better when I play music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, being in my 30s now, yeah, talent is not that special anymore for me. Yeah, wow. But the character of being consistent and I want people, you know, when people see me, I'd rather be known for someone who's actually hardworking mm. um, than being talented. Yeah, wow. I love that. Yeah, yeah, that's that big shift, isn't it? Defined by what you do and now it's defined by more how you do things. Yeah. Um, not what you do in life, but how you do life. Yeah. Um, that's good. Mm. And yeah, Kobe, Anthony Bourdain, yeah. both very accomplished people. Mm. But yeah, we, we've spoken about the way way they do things. Yeah. You know, and everyone talks about the work ethic Kobe sure. had, the, the kind of attitudes he had. Yeah. Um, and Anthony mm. Bourdain as well, just the mm. way he carried himself. Yeah. Such respect for other people and mm. things like that. That's that's a big shift. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. It's, it's important. Mm. Mm. I w that's a good one. I wonder if, do you think he would have helped, I don't know, would it help if you knew that in your 20s? Or, or you reckon you just have to learn it the hard way sometimes? You've got to learn it the hard way. Mm. I think a lot of people... I think pride and cockiness is one... Is probably the two biggest things that are hard to break. Mm. If it's ingrained in you. Especially if it comes out of insecurity. Yeah. Yeah. If it comes out of, if it comes out of confidence... Yeah, okay. It's a different story. But if it comes out of insecurity... Um, it... It leads you into the rabbit hole which is never ending yeah because you're constantly trying to achieve 
from the wrong route, yeah. which is trying to prove yourself, yeah. or actually prove to others, yeah. which is the wrong reason to do things. Yeah. And, 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 and all, all the while, it's not developing your character. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Um, let's talk about now. Mm. Because you mentioned this at the start. Yeah. And, and here we are, right at the end of it. Um, you're starting a new thing. You're in your 30s. Sure. And you're starting a new thing. Yeah. I think personally that's incredibly brave. Mm. Um, tell us about this new new thing that you've started. Um, so, like I said, I've started another apprenticeship um, for butchery. Uh, long story short, so last year I was in Melbourne. Um, and unfortunately, because of coronavirus, um, I was left jobless from last year, March. Mm. And pretty much from last year, March until last year, September, um, I wasn't working at all just because the hospitality industry just got smashed with the lockdowns and whatnot. So it was pretty much impossible for someone who lost their job to find another one. Um, and I... I thought of doing different things. I don't think you nearly said all. I was even looking at car mechanics. I was looking at mm. um, body panel work apprenticeships. Mm. Um, and I only say apprenticeships is because I think by now I know what I'm like. I can't go to university. I'm not the person to study. Mm. Um, so I'm good at using my body. So I, I said, heck, mm. I finished one apprenticeship. I know what it takes. Um, so I might as well start another one. So after looking at all the options, um, butchery was probably the last thing on my mind, but it, it happened um, and it didn't happen easily. In the beginning, I had to chase up. So to start an apprenticeship, you need to go through agencies and whatnot. Mm. And unfortunately, the agency that I contacted, which was my agency for my chefing, um, just because of Corona, communication was just on and off. Um, and luckily my old boss, he asked me, actually he didn't ask me, he told me to email 10 butchers, Google 10 top butchers in Sydney, email mm. them, see what happens. Um, and if you get a response, just do it. And mm. that's the way I found this yeah. butcher shop. And that's how I, I started. I never would have thought that I would have in my life a butcher. <laughs> I, I don't know, like I just never... Um, You've done a little bit of the apprenticeship now, and yep. you've worked in the butchery a little bit yep. now. Yeah, yeah. How is it? It's great. I love it. I wish I, I secretly wish I started this earlier. Hours a lot better. Um, the working environment is a lot better. It's a lot, a lot more casual, a lot more easier. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's been great. It's been. You actually feel I feel sixteen again. One thing, I mean, because you're you're a you're a chef. That chef that was trained in in fine culinary, sure, yeah, right. And so you, you, there's a precision, there's that. Yep. And then there's just chopping meat. <laughs> yeah. But it, it t- t- and you're gonna tell me it's not. <laughs> tell me how it's not just chopping. How does someone who likes that precision of that mm. edible flour yep. on that thing, yeah, go from that, yeah, to just hacking at meat, yeah. What's the appeal? So the appeal is. It's the same thing with cooking. If you don't know what chefing and cooking is, okay, like you can get to a fine dining, you get to a fine dining restaurant, and you get a thing on a plate which is pretty much ten times smaller than the actual plate, right? You look at it and you go, "Oh, it's a piece of tomatoes, a piece of this, a piece of that." Mm. 
but then you wouldn't know that it's been confit or it's been sous vide or you know all these technical terms in the kitchen it's the same thing with butchery don't get me wrong that's what i thought when i first started mm. it's just hacking meat <laughs> you know loads of carcasses hack it off hack it, yeah. sell it to the people yeah. or show it in the sausage machine pretty much yeah. you know it's, it just looks like yeah it's just it's very barbaric if you think about it yeah. you know um yeah there's people that live lifestyles yeah. against this industry oh yeah <laughs> oh for sure that's a different topic they, they may have already tuned out by now <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe they like, tuned out like, five minutes he's like what he's, nah. see ya see you later <laughs> um no but butchery is very very precise and very complicated in the way of you can either make it to be like that or you can actually be the average joe blow butcher that hacks off meat and just sells pieces of simple steaks and whatnot mm. um but there's a lot of precision precision in butchery because not to bore everyone but if you think about it each meat tastes different depending on what they ate when they were alive it depends on how much movement they had the more movement they had the tougher the meat is um and then if you come to my side where i'm the so in butchery there's different elements different sections of the industry so you've got the avatar you've got the um carcass and i'm the one that actually gets all of that and then sells it so even breaking down the meat into different parts it takes great precision because as soon as you cut the meat in the wrong grain you're gonna have a bloody tough steak um right and even dry aging is a big thing, which I think is overrated, but it's a different story as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but even timing your, your ordering for your carcasses has to be precise because if you a day earlier or a day later, your meat's not going to taste the same. It's not going to be at its best. Wow. So there is a lot of... There's an art. There's an art to it. It's a dying art. Butchery is dying. Mm. I think that's the appeal for me. Because there's not many people that are young that are doing it. Yeah. So I'm thinking 10 years down the track right now. Mm. Um, but yeah, it is, there is an art form to put through. Yeah. And, then, and there's, there's, a, there's a market, there's a consumer that's yeah. always going to want it. Yeah. Um, but it is a dying... And it is an art form. It is an art form. You're discovering it's an art form. Yeah. Yeah. And because and yeah. you told me this one, I found this one fascinating. <laughs> tell us how you struggled to cut pork. Oh, yeah. That's what I want. So, in the kitchen, I'm known to be OCD. So, a lot of chefs that say, oh, I go by fuel, that's all bullcrap. You can't be consistent by going by fuel. Um, so, I used to be the kid, I used to be the guy in the kitchen where my scale was pretty much on point by 0.0001 gram or something. Like, it was crazy, right? So, every recipe that I created, every recipe that I followed, it was on point. And it was consistent mm. and there was no variance to it unless it was human error by putting in more salt for for example but then the first couple of weeks in butchery every single pig that i wanted to break down they were all different sizes mm. and i can't help it like it's just nature right and so that's cutting pork was probably my biggest reality that yeah butchery when it comes to the precision and consistency it is a lot different because each pig is bloody different. Mm. So one pig, I was trying to cut it in a very precise way. And the next pig that I was trying to cut, the ribs were like pretty much a lot more angular compared to the oh, last one I right, cut. Right, right. So my OCD would kick in and be like, oh my yeah. gosh, 
they don't look the same. Yeah. Um, but I'm learning how to yeah. <laughs> get over art, that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's an art to it. Because it's yeah, it, it's um, mm. it's definitely a skill, isn't it? It's it is not a skill that you can just just do. Yeah. Mm. Mm. If um, how is this restart mm. different to the other restarts? I think this restart is different, or well, I know it's different because my headspace before I started this was was completely different to when I was studying other things in my twenties. Um, I started off being passionate and being being excited when I was in my twenties, thinking that I was the best at it, thinking that I could pretty much go in there and smash everyone. Mm. But now it's more, I guess, just even being an adult, like even finance, like you think about finances, you think about um, even investing two and a half, three years um, of your 30s, trying to complete an apprenticeship. Um, So the approach that I took was a lot more humbling. There was a lot more no's within my head compared to my 20s which kind of made me a bit more level-headed when I decided to do it, where I wasn't excited. I didn't have that much expectations. So I feel like if you do start things at that head level, there's a lot more... There's less more disappointments that you make to yourself, but Mm. there's a lot more goals that you can make. Yeah. Um, Which is the biggest difference now is, yeah, Mm. I'm I'm a lot more calmer. Um, I think I... Hopefully, I am I'm a lot more humble than I, w- I was in my thirties. Mm. Uh, now I'm in actually I'm actually in the shop where I'm just like, hey, I don't know anything. Mm. Just teach me, mm. which makes which just makes your life a lot easier. Yeah, and you can have more fun. Yeah, yeah. Because the pressure's off. Yeah, you're not there to prove yourself. Yeah, be better than everyone else. Yeah, and the moment you think that you don't know anything is the moment where you, every single thing that you learn is actually feels like a gold nugget. Wow, that's good. Whereas before, if, if you went in there thinking, oh, I know a little bit, you're not going to learn anything. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, when mm. you think you know. Yeah. Yeah, when you find stuff, it, it almost kind of makes you feel like less of yourself. Because yeah. Because it's like, oh, gosh, yeah, here's another thing I don't know. Yeah. As opposed to, look, if I don't know anything. Every single thing, actually. Everything's great. Yeah. It's just treasure hunting. Mm. Yeah, that's mad. Yeah. That's, that's really good. I, I think um, a lot of people can really resonate with that that um with that kind of attitude it's worth a restart yeah it's worth it that's really cool mm. um going back to um and maybe rounding things out nate um the maybe finish the sentence for me um the world calls you an apprentice butcher who's in his early 30s mm. what do you call yourself i just call myself nathan uh, if I if I had to speak to myself right now in front of the mirror, I'll probably say, "You're Nathan. You might have gone through a lot in life, but you're still the same person inside as you were when you were a kid and until now. But you've you've done all right. You're all right. Yeah, good on you. Yeah, and I agree. You're all right. You're all right. <laughs> yeah, your kimchi's all right too. Yeah, but, but nice. above and beyond that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love you as a brother, and, mm. and um, yeah, I'm so glad to be part of this journey with you, and um, here with you in another restart. Yep. 
but this one's gonna be different. <laughs> yeah. And um, and that's awesome. Mm. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for doing this. Cool. Um, I really appreciate you, and I and I hope that this has um, been a benefit for the listening. Thank you. See you next time.